0: Have you ever heard of the phrase, that's like putting lipstick on a pig? That's been around a long time. In fact it dates back to early in the 20th century, the best we can tell, but it was made more well known early in this century by a vice presidential candidate named Sarah Palin. She was referring to her political opponents and she said they can put lipstick on a pig, but what was she implying? It won't make much difference. It won't be of any value. It'll be a waste of time. Does it surprise you to know that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, made a similar comment? He talked about the waste of spending our time giving what is fancy, or specifically that which is holy, to the pigs. He's saying if you're not careful, you can waste your time And it won't make much difference. We're going to talk about that today as we continue in the Sermon on the Mount. But first, would you allow me to just once more ask God to bless this time together, to speak into our lives, to give us openness to his truth. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we have gathered. Jesus, our desire is simple. We want you to be pleased. We want to create a sweet aroma that makes its way to the heavenlies. Holy Spirit, we know you are here. We just ask you to continue meeting with us in a way that gives us what we need, teaches us what we've not yet learned and makes us different. Lord, all of us have room for growth. Some need to be saved. Lord, I declare what is true of all of us, we can't change another person. But Holy Spirit, you can draw men, women, boys and girls into yourself. So God, I'm asking for something that's a big ask. I'm asking for a sacred moment. (laughs) I love the quietness. In this room, as we've gathered together, Lord, let us hear you speak that we may be your salt and light for our good and for your glory. Once more, I pray, let the words I say and even my thoughts be pleasing to you. O Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. And I pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Last week we finished the second of three chapters that contained the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever opened his mouth, Jesus the Christ. And chapter six of Matthew ended with these words, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And I reminded you of the importance of spiritual focus in our life. We said that when the kingdom of Jesus has its rightful place in your life, everything else will fall into place in your life. That seems like a big truth, but I promise you it is true. Today, as we start chapter 7, as Jesus winds down this message, we look at one of the most misused, misunderstood, misinterpreted verses in the whole Bible. Here it is, Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. You know, it's interesting. People even who have zero faith seem to know this verse. Comedians use this as a way to tell us that we should not tell someone else what is right and wrong in their life. Politicians use this to justify their political positions. Liberal preachers use this to challenge us about sticking to the truth of God's Word. It's one of the most quoted verses of Jesus, and yet it's one of the most quoted with incorrect intent. So today we're going to ask What did Jesus really mean? What was he saying? We're also gonna discover why would Jesus in the midst of that kind of statement start talking about dogs and pigs? Which is what he does. Listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew 7, beginning again in verse one. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank or the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. You hypocrite. First take the plank, the log, out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck, the sawdust from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample under them in their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. What was Jesus saying? Let me give you the big idea and then let's unpack it. You ready for this? The mercy of God demands that we treat others with Christ-like discernment as we seek His kingdom first. Man, I'm just telling you, if those of us who gather here and people who are called by the name of Christ gathering in places like this would just understand that truth, what a difference we can make in this world. The mercy of God demands that we treat others with Christ-like discernment as we seek His kingdom first. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? Graces that we get what we do not deserve. We get the gift of eternal life. But mercy, we sang about it a moment ago, mercy is that we do not get what we do deserve, the punishment of death as a result of our sin. I have to make a confession. This passage is hard for me. It's hard for me because my spiritual story involves church from the very beginning of my life. I was in church about nine months before I was born. I've always been a part of church. And as a result of that, I'm here to confess, my name is Paul and I'm a recovering legalist. For much of my life, I've been tempted to find my value in the eyes of God in the things that I do for God and that's an unbiblical way of looking at life the reality is that that's also impacted how I've looked at some of you not you personally necessarily but others in in my world I look through a lens of legalism This is difficult for many of us who regularly attend church. We often see the the world as a dichotomy, a, a, a separate group of good and evil. We find ourselves positioned as judges and juries. So we hear this passage and we have to ask, what is Jesus really saying? Let me give you three things and then Wrap this up in a powerful demonstration of God's love. Number one, Jesus cautions us, do not judge. That really is in Scripture. Do not judge. As Jesus is winding down his message, he's teaching one of us, one of the core ways we apply everything else he taught us. Beginning in chapter five, continuing in chapter six, and now in chapter seven, he's dealt with the internal. Christian life. The things we work on on us as we live the Christian life. Now he's looking externally and he's saying, you who are my followers, this is how you look at the world. But what does he mean do not judge? Well let me begin with what he doesn't mean. He does not mean that we turn a blind eye to sin. He does not mean that we stop distinguishing between right and wrong. He's not diminishing our call to holiness. He's not giving us permission to ignore immorality or injustice. How do I know this? (laughs) Because I've read the book. Almost everything Jesus did was pointing out what was wrong with the world, beginning with those who called the name of God. As we would say it today, starting with the church. In a very real sense, he was judging. We know this even because of the verses that we have right after these words. He calls some people pigs and other people dogs. That's a judgment call. He doesn't do that as a term of endearment. We know this because of all of his teaching. We know this because of a few verses. He'll say in verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And a few verses later he'll say not everyone who says to me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I would say to you today it's important to understand we live in a time of misconception where religion is viewed as private and morality is viewed as relevant and fluid. I want to assure you Jesus was not saying just go with the flow. Jesus was not saying always change with the times. What he was saying is that the way we live and love must be without a judgmental attitude. The word Jesus uses specifically is a word that speaks of condemnation. So what he's saying is you do not rule in judgment On another person. Now that should make common sense to us. Why? We're not God, right? We didn't create the universe. We didn't die for the sins of mankind. We do not have spiritual authority over another person in that way. We can't determine what happens in there forever. The word Jesus is using reminds us condemnation is not our job but the reality is Scripture reminds us it wasn't even Jesus's job did you know that let's quote John 3 16 you ready for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life I learned that in the old King James. I usually don't go around saying whosoever and shall. I don't put T H at the end of many of my words. That's John 3.16. Do you know what John 3.17 says? Look at it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to save us from that which has already condemned us. Now let me just remind you, it's important we do this on regular occasions. What has already condemned us? It's one word, do you know what the word is? It's sin and sin is anything we do that God said don't do this let's just take a weekly poll how many of you have done something that God said don't do this week I'm in that category yeah most of us all of us but sin is also when we don't do those things God said do this another poll how many of you have not done something God says do this week yeah early this morning I had to spend some time saying God I'm sorry again So this sin which separates us from God that for the child of God demands confession and repentance, this sin is atoned for through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and when we trust Jesus that changes everything without Jesus we're condemned I read Romans 7 as a part of my Bible reading this morning. Any of you in here doing the McShane plan with me? A few of you are, I know, yeah. I I read Romans 7, and Paul's talking about I find myself doing the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. I mean, I just feel like such a loser. I feel like I'm carrying around this dead weight of sin all the time. What am I going to do? And then Romans 8, 1 begins this way therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus I want to say loud and clear to the Christian today whatever you call yourself a Christ follower our job is not to condemn others because our message, the message of hope, the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that everybody on this planet has the opportunity to be free of condemnation in Jesus Christ. There's a great theologian, John Stott. I love what he said about this. He says, the command to judge not is not a requirement to be blind, but rather a plea to be generous. Jesus does not tell us to cease to be men by suspending our critical powers, which help distinguish us from animals, but to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God by setting ourselves up as judges. So how, how do we deal with sin in the world? Ed Welch says that this passage indicates that seeing our own faults does not disqualify us from confronting the other person in love. Rather, scripture indicates that confessing our own sin is the very thing that does authorize us to speak to another about his own sins. It's not only then that we can speak in a way, it's only then that we can speak in a way that is not judgmental. So remember our role. When Jesus ascended into heaven right before he left, he said, you shall be my what? What? You shall be my judges, right? You shall be my jury, right? No, you shall be my witnesses. And when we forget that, we take ourselves off of the witness stand where we're testifying to what we've seen and what we've experienced and the difference that that has made in our life, and we put ourselves in the place of the judge. Are the jury and Jesus is saying you are not God that is not your role he's saying you've got to come to the place where you understand yes you look at this world and you distinguish right and wrong you discover there's a difference between unconditional love and unconditional approval but you live as I've called you to live This is a big discussion about this, even in recent days. I'm not gonna go into it, but it's been in the Christian world from a well-known conservative pastor. He was describing his response to a grandmother about what to do when their grandchild was living in that LGBTQ lifestyle. Whether or not this grandmother, who disapproved because of biblical reasons Of the lifestyle whether or not she should demonstrate love to this child and Alistair Begg carved out a path that said yes we we must find a way to stand in truth while living in grace and not surprisingly many in the church have crucified him over the last two weeks why because we're not good at this. We would prefer just to say, no, here's clear right or here's clear wrong and, and we just don't have anything to do with it. But Jesus in John 1 we're told, was the fullness of what, do you remember? Truth and grace. Why is it so important we understand this? Because verse two tells us that the way we look at others will be the way that we are judged." Have you ever heard about those little promise books that have all the promises in the Bible? Someone who says, there's more than 365, so there's a promise of God for every day. And we love those positive promises. Things like, I know the plans I have for you, declares the the Lord. Plans plans for future and a hope, not of calamity or disaster. We love promises like this. We don't like promises like Matthew yeah be careful because the the way you judge you're gonna be judged with the measure you judge others you're gonna be judged that way yourself and you know what I've discovered we judge ourselves with gallons of grace but we use teaspoons when it comes to judging others that's not okay second thing I want you to see is that Jesus commands us after cautioning us he commands us deal with your junk but before you get caught up looking at others and what's going on in their life deal with what's going on in your life look at verse 3 why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank some of your translations say the log in your own eye you probably heard the saying even if you've not been to church or you're not very spiritual get the log out of your own eye before you come talking to me or I love the phrase people say today check yourself before you wreck yourself. Just think about what Jesus was saying now where I was growing up in South Carolina we wouldn't consider this much of a log. It's been split down to a pretty small piece of wood. We used to go and cut down trees and my role would often be to gather up the, the big round logs to split them and then to throw them onto the back of the truck or if my dad was splitting and throwing I would be on the truck putting them in order. And I can remember on more than one occasion where I get got hit by a log because he was throwing it my way without looking. I'm not bitter. But what was Jesus saying? I think it was this. It's humorous, really? Can you imagine a person walking around saying "Man, I'm having trouble seeing, not sure what's going on, but I I do notice, hey you've got a tiny little speck of dust in your eye. Here, let me, let me help you get it out. Well, I'm gonna come close to you to get it out and what am I gonna do? Well the first thing I'm gonna do is knock you upside the head with my log. And what are you gonna say? Yeah, a small piece of sawdust, which is what I'm praying does not happen at this very moment, it can be very painful. Nevertheless, it's nothing like the log that's protruding from your face. Get the log out of your own eye before you deal with the sawdust in mine. Are you judgmental? Let me give you some questions just to ask. Do you find yourself looking down your sinful nose at the sins of others who sin differently than you? Have you you recognized that, man, people like us, the church people, frankly, the ones Jesus was talking about, this was his crowd. This was his crowd that were hanging out with Jesus. and, And he's saying, you hypocrites. We have respectable sins. We all just raised our hands and said we've sinned in multiple ways this week And yet how easily do we turn on the news or we see people that Man, yeah, their lifestyle is unbiblical Their choices are hurtful to themselves and to others But they're sinners like us who desperately need the grace and mercy of God Are you judgmental? One way the church is seen as hypocritical in this area is when it comes to sexual sin. I've seen this all my life. Of of course homosexuality is wrong. You can't read the scriptures without understanding that's wrong. Of, Of course men are born as men and women are born as women and men should go to men's bathrooms and women should go to women's bathrooms and that's the way God made them and they shouldn't be recreating because we've already established. We're not God. We shouldn't be trying to change what He made. Of course, these things are true. But you can't do that and then turn to a blind eye about what. God's Word says about sexual relationships outside of marriage, what Jesus said earlier in this sermon about lustful looks at other people, what the Bible says about the pain and the harm of adultery, and yet we in places like this, we kind of sweep those things under the rug while we point out these other big cultural sins as if they're the only things going on. And Jesus is saying, stop it. Don't stop being holy. Don't stop pursuing the right. But deal with these things in your own life so that you're not hypocritical. Here's the problem. When we're hypocritical, we put on a mask, but everybody else sees us. We're like the two year old child that you tell to hide. And so they cover their face and they think they're hiding, but they're right in front of your eyes the hypocritical mask is exactly that it's us pretending to be something that we're not and maybe the person seated by you at church doesn't know it maybe your pastor doesn't know it maybe your spouse doesn't even know it but somebody does in your little corner of the world Jesus is saying when you're trying to act all spiritual and you got the log protruding from your eye You not only look look silly, you lose impact. And yet here's the problem. That's the natural tendency for all of us, isn't it? Because it's a lot easier for me to deal with your sin than it is for me to deal with my sin. That's why so many in my tribe, so many pastors and preachers, we blow it. And we all blow it. We're all capable of anything. In fact I tell people regularly I'll say that tonight to our new members if you hang out around me long enough I'll let you down. I'll have bad days. I've been here 13 years now a lot of you have been around but I've just had a bad day and I've had to say I'm sorry I didn't handle that well but the reality is it's a control issue in our lives. We recognize we're not yielded We're not surrendered to the control of Jesus fully. And when I'm in that position, it's a lot easier for me to try to fix you than to truly surrender. So I ask you again, are you judgmental? Let me just give you a few questions. Do you assume the worst of other people? Do you speak only of the faults of other people? Do you you tend to judge a person's entire life by the worst moment in their life? Jesus had a lot to say about that when he talked about forgiveness. Do you judge without an awareness of self? Do you judge others by a standard that you don't live by? This is like, not my dad the kind of preachers I grew up around who would stand in in South Carolina tobacco country, (laughs) actively condemn smoking cigarettes while they're walking around hundreds of pounds overweight because they eat so much fried chicken. Get some self-awareness, Jesus is saying. Let me sum these up. Are are you as embarrassed by your own sin as you are enraged by the sins of others? Do you assess someone's position and then as a result dismiss them as a person? You write people off. Jesus is saying there's a better way. And it's his way. If there's one thing, I'm just reminded as I'm reading again through the New Testament. The Jesus way is better. And the Jesus way is grace and truth. Truth is grace without, truth without grace is judgmental fundamentalism. And grace without truth is liberal sentimentalism. We have to do better. And that's why I give you this third thing. Jesus charges us, discern wisely while you're pursuing holiness. That's why he gives us this statement about pearls and pigs. Look again at verse 6. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now some theologians look at this verse and say it's kind of separate from the previous verses. It's more like Jesus just giving another nugget of wisdom. I don't think that's the case. I think he's applying what he's just said. Saying, okay, if if I'm not to be judgmental, but I'm to pursue holiness, how do I live in a world where some people are not responsive to the things of God? Well, I develop discernment? Do you have discernment? One of the ways you develop discernment is through prayer. So asking God, just guide my words. Take control of my thought. The Bible says take every thought captive. And so I'm beginning to pray, God, would you just help me to have discernment as I I deal with these situations in my life? Why is that important? Because some people need to hear what you have to say about the truth of God's word. Some people will receive that, but others will reject it. And when it's not received, we do what Jesus says in Luke 10. We shake the dust off of our feet and we move on. We don't waste our valuable time arguing with people about things that they do not understand or do not have an appreciation of or have no interest in pursuing truth. We move on in grace. Some of you are more intent on having some of these political or, or some of these moral discussions that are right but you're having them with people that are not interested or you're just in an echo chamber and you're not accomplishing anything and it's not making a difference. There will be people who have no appreciation for the truth of God. You can't change that and you can't change them. But here's the good news that's not your job. Did you know that? Maybe you just need to resign as the ruler of the universe or resign as the Holy Spirit because neither of those are your job. Now why does all this matter? Remember the big idea. This is where it gets good. The mercy of God demands that we treat others with Christ-like discernment as we seek His kingdom. you see there are some things that we have to take into account when we read these words of Jesus and the first thing is this judgment is a reality so you don't walk away from a passage like this and think well people can just do whatever they want or I can do whatever I want while we are not the judge there is a judge John 8 verse 16 says but if I do judge my decisions are right because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. Matthew 12:36. Jesus says, I tell you, men will have to give an account on the day of what? Judgment for every careless word they've spoken. 2nd Corinthians 5 10 says but I, 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 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body whether good or bad and Hebrews 9 27 says just as people are destined to die once after that comes what judgment and then I read the back of the book you know what it says Revelation 16 yes Lord God Almighty True and just are your judgments. So what I'd say to all of us here, if you're a Christian, if you're not yet a Christian, determine today, live your life aware of the coming judgment. But there's a second thing. The Bible tells us that mercy triumphs over judgment on the cross of Jesus Christ that's really good news we've got this reality we've all discovered we're sinners that sin requires a punishment that punishment is death forever we're even told in the Bible where that takes place takes place in hell but it's not God's desire that you experience that punishment that's why, why the bible tells us that God sent his son Jesus, not to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved I love Romans 5.8, we say it often in this church God demonstrates his love and that while we were still sinners Christ dies for us that's what Jesus did 2 Corinthians 5.21 says God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary he took our judgment and he gives us mercy That's what it says in Colossians 2 when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature God made you alive with Christ listen to this he forgave us all our sins having canceled the written code with this regulation that was against us, that stood opposed to us, and he took it away, nailing it to the cross. and Having disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Mercy triumphs over justice, judgment, on the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus took the judgment we deserve and He gives us life. I want you to imagine for a second that you're that criminal. Some of you may not have to go far, it may have happened. Imagine that you're dressed in that orange suit like this guy. That's your clothing that's your future and yet here you are waiting before the judge for the sentencing for your punishment you know you're guilty you know you've done the crime so you're going to have to serve the time but something strange happens while you're there someone else shows up it's the judge got this picture of the supreme court because I wanted you to understand the supreme importance they're all wearing the same thing different people different walks of life but they're all judges imagine that that judge walks down from the judge's bench he walks to where you are in that orange uniform and he takes off that black robe that he's wearing and he puts it over that orange suit you're wearing imagine that he then says the penalty's been paid you're free to go if you've never understood it that clearly before I want you to hear today That's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for me. Listen to Isaiah 61.10. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and and he's arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Here's what I would say to you from these words of Jesus today. Allow the just judge to become your merciful justifier. If you're already a follower of Christ, use this time to do an inspection because I suspect all of us have got some wood we need to deal with. Use this as a time of confession and repentance of sin and thank God for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Self-righteousness doesn't mean you see yourself or the other person or self-righteousness means that you don't see yourself or the other person with accuracy it means you see his or her speck as a log and your log is a speck so you're condemning him or her and excusing yourself you treat the other person with judgment while you respond to yourself with patience this is troubling and it's a powerful argument says Paul Tripp for our rescuing need for grace Paul, Romans 14, 10 says, You then, why do you judge your brother? Why do you look down on your brother? For we'll all stand before God's judgment seat. Would you bow your head with me? The truth is, some of you, you don't just need to examine yourself. Some of you have not come to the place where you've begun a relationship with Jesus, and so that's your most desperate need. Remember, our inability to look at these situations correctly is usually because we've we've not surrendered control of our individual lives to the Master. Do you need to surrender today? Do you need to raise the white flag? I'm not talking about whether you've been in church say this sometime. You could be Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Assembly of God, non-denominational. You could have gone through a whole list of rituals. You could have been baptized in a church like this or raised your hand or walked down an aisle. You could have been dipped or dunked. You, you could have gone to confirmation or church class and still not ever begun a personal relationship with God through Jesus because you do that through saying, Lord, today I surrender. Do You need to do that. If so, would you just tell him that today? The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your lips that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. That's all you got to do is just cry out to God. God, I know who you are. I resign as the boss of my life. I yield control to you today. Just tell him that in your words even now. Somehow, in your words, cry out to God. God, I need you. Forgive me. I'm going to follow you. You're my Savior. And Lord Jesus, in this holy moment, having examined ourselves, having cried out to you for salvation, we now thank you for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, that in your mercy you triumphed over our judgment. Thank you. Lord, as we remember what you've done for us, may we be more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I would ask you to do. I want you to take out this little cup. These cups have the elements of what we call the Lord's Supper you didn't get one of these there are some people that would love to put one in your hands you can lift these up if you're a follower of a Christ we invite you to join us in this if you peel back the bottom you can take out that little wafer and then peel open the top for 2,000 years Christ's followers have in different ways observed what we call communion or the Lord's Supper for the purpose of remembering what Jesus has done for us remembering that mercy triumphed over judgment And in the death of Jesus Christ, justice was paid for our sin. When you take this bread, you're going to remember that the body of Jesus Christ endured pain and was broken for you. When you take this cup, you'll remember that his blood was shed on a hot desert day for you. Don't take this lightly think about judgment think about the grace and mercy of God and then thank Jesus and ask him to move in your life in this moment that's our prayer Heavenly Father holy just God Jesus the son who came that we might not be condemned Holy Spirit who is one who can guide our every word in this moment Jesus we remember the death you paid and we say thank you we do this in remembrance of you in Jesus name